chapter 13. We're going to almost complete Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at Paul's preaching of the gospel, um, which I just was thinking about this. And I do apologize if, if things seem a bit samey and you, and you may get even a bit bored from it. But the reality is the gospel is pretty much samey. In other words, there's nothing much you can add to it or take it away. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. And so when you see Peter preaching the gospel, and you see Paul preaching the gospel, and others preaching the gospel, it should be pretty much the same thing, because that's the good news. It's like saying, you know, any kind of equation, E equals MC squared. Well, no, today I want to make it a little bit more embellished. I want to say E equals MC squared times two. Well, you just changed everything, right? So the gospel's simple, because it is what it is. It's the good news, and this is the good news. So for most of us in this room, I would hope we would know now what the gospel is. If we don't, we're going to be looking at it yet again today. But the thing is, yeah, it is going to be the same. But let's just embrace that, but let's also give God the worship because of the simplicity of that. And how wonderful and how simply, simply wonderful the gospel is in that God did an amazing thing. Yeah? And what he did, he did it for us because he's full of grace and full of mercy. And he loves us. So I'm going to look at the gospel that Paul preached, and I'm going to rewind just a wee bit because we already looked at some of, we already started, but I want to get in one go today. So we're going to get in all in one go. We're going to, you know, we're going to move quite quickly, I hope, and then we're going to, um, and that'll be us. We'll, we'll conclude after that and then pick up the rest of their journeys, the end of chapter 13 on to 14 next week. So Acts 13, verse 16, first slide, please. Um, and here's Paul preaching the gospel. He say, he's, um, so here's Paul standing up. He motioned with his hand and said, uh, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. So here he is in the synagogue and they asked him to come and to share words, to encourage the people. And this is the message that he's using. And the message that he used to encourage people is the good news of God's kingdom. Well, gosh, let me encourage you. I'm not going to just read from Habakkuk, which he will eventually. I'm not going to just read you from the Psalms or from Moses. I'm going to tell you what God's doing right now. What, G- what God just did recently with Jesus Christ. That's, that sounds exciting. In fact, that's encouraging. Because it's real news, real thing happening right now that God's doing right now. We're not just talking about the history. And by the way, guys, when you look at our Bible, yes, we are looking at history in a sense. Because a lot of what Jesus did do and the apostles did do was about 2,000 years ago. But isn't God still doing things today in our own lives that we should be given acknowledgement to? And praise to, you know, I mean, we're living in a crazy world. And if we don't, you know, crazy dark, by the way. And if we don't acknowledge the light that God's given to us through salvation and knowing him and walking with him, then we're going to lose our joy. So we need to continue to acknowledge that what God's doing isn't stop with the, with the canonization of scriptures. God's still with his people. He's still doing things. So that's what Paul's doing. He's like, listen, this is what God's doing right now in our lives. Jesus Christ. What he did is very current affairs. But it also applies to what all the prophets said many years ago. Fellow Israelites, yeah, my brothers and sisters, but also Gentiles. So he's including everyone. 
And of course, as we know, he's up in what's called modern-day Turkey today, Asia Minor. This is where he is at this church in Antioch, up, up, up there. And so God is real. And that's what we talked about last week. And I'm going to just say it again, and I'm going to move on. We have to recognize and we have to acknowledge the fact that God exists. If we don't believe that God actually exists, then, then there's, there's, there's no, there's no that's, that's foundational. We're stuck. And so we have to be open to the fact that God is real, God exists, and God interacts with people, i.e., in verse 17, God interacting with the people. Okay, 17, the God of the people of Israel, look at the words he used. He's very active, these verbs, you know, these things, these action words. God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during the stay in Egypt with mighty power. So there's a description of his abilities. With mighty power, he led them out of the country. For about 40 years, he endured. Okay, he's a person. God's a real person. He's, you know what I'm saying? When he made men and women, us people, in his image, he gave us personality because he's a God of personality. He feels, he thinks, he chooses, he leads, he makes, he endures. Verse 19, and he also overthrew. He's active, he protects, he defends. He's there, he he's, he's, has the ability to interact with physical objects and in physical time. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan, given their lands to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. And the people asked for a king. He gave them Solomon, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Next slide, please. From this man's descendants, God had brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus. So this is how he's bringing it together to what's happening right now. And sometimes it's really important to look at what God's doing right now by drawing it, you know, kind of like a, like a line back. You know what I'm saying? Like a line of causes, like dominoes all the way back to Jesus, which of course goes back to Moses, the prophets, and back to God and his interaction, even with creating the world. So it's good to have, see the, the causal effect so even today, a lot of what we, a lot of what God's doing today, it's connected to the Christ of cross, or the cross of Christ. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was com- completing his work, he said, who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. In verse 26, fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and the rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in, in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Again, they're reading their history, they're reading things that are being prophesied, spoken of, told about what's going on that, at that moment in history. You're reading your Bibles, okay, so to speak. You know, they're, they're, they're reading their Bibles, you know, their Septuagints or whatever, you know, the Torahs or whatever. They're reading their scriptures, right? So they should know, because the scriptures are all about Jesus, but they didn't know. And to me, that's a shame, and that's another warning that we should have today. We should be so familiar with our Bibles 
that when, when issues arise, we should be able to have some kind of spiritual understanding of when, what, where, why, is it, what's going on. Okay, we should, have, we should be able to make sense of it. And this actually, guys, brings us hope. You know what I'm saying? If you, don't, if you can't make sense of what's going on in the world around you, especially when it comes to big questions, you're going to be filled with despair. And the world is filled with despair. That's why it's angry and frustrated and drunk and stoned. Because it's, it's, it's full of despair. But as people of God, we have the option of looking at the word and saying, well, this is what God's doing. And that's what we're doing this morning. And that's what we're going to continue to do every Sunday morning and hopefully throughout our midweeks times as well. But we don't read just because we're religious. We read for understanding. The problem with, with, with these guys is they bred for religious reasons. They read because they're supposed to do it. But they didn't read for understanding because they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't get the heart of what God was really saying. So they missed Jesus when he came. Though they, verse 28, though they found no proper ground for death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, he took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. This is another crazy thing. The fact that God raised a man from the dead is impossible outside of God. But with God, all things are possible. And this is the reality. This son, this man, Jesus Christ, the son of God, died, rose from the grave, and was seen by many who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. Next slide. In verse 32, we tell you the good news. And by the way, guys, this is good news, i.e., this is something that we should celebrate. Okay? It's something we should celebrate. It's something we should take great comfort in. This is our hope. Without this, is, there's only despair. But with what God is, did, what God is doing, and what God will do, it gives us hope for our own lives, mortality, the life and mortality of our friends and our families. What we do gives it significance and meaning and purpose. Without it, there is none. Without God, there's none. Without knowing what God's doing, there's none. But the thing is, we know there's a God and we know what he's doing because the word speaks about it. So this is good news. God's kingdom, God's will, God's way, it's happening right here, right now. Like Jesus said, it is at hand. It's available. What God promised, and all of this is, is just really just encapsulated with promises that are from God. Did you know God has made you promises? Well, if you don't, know much about the scriptures, you won't know much about these promises. But if you know and you get familiar with the scriptures, we'll know about these promises and we can embrace the promises and get the value from them that they're supposed to be, which is hope. So God's promises, he promised the ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so he will never be subjected to decay, as God has said. I will give you the holy and sure blessing promised to David. So it is not also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. So from the prophets, from the Psalms, he's going, look, here's just a few examples of the promise through the descendants. Of David, a son of David will come and he will be the son of God. He's promised, but yet he will he'll be brought down, but he won't remain dead. Again, you know, he won't see decay. He will die, but his body won't actually decay, which is what you would expect from most dead bodies. But because he, he didn't decay, because why? Why did he not decay? We know why he didn't decay. Because he stood up out of the grave, 
Because he was God resurrected him on the third day. He's alive. Jesus is alive. And that was, was, was testified with people who could recognize him, people who were with him who can say, yeah, that's Jesus, as opposed to strangers. Oh, I guess that's Jesus. No, people who knew him and knew him well, saw him, recognized him. I know him because I was with him a lot. And by a lot of people, not just a few. So in verse 36, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Next slide. So I, or in other words, God kept his promise. God keeps his promises. And like I said, the scriptures are filled with promises. Here's some more promises. And the thing is, these promises are open to interpretation. I like using that Church of Scotland phrase every once in a while. Open to interpretation. And by the way, what that means, it doesn't mean that you could twist the scriptures. It means when the scriptures talks, we have different perspectives on how to make sense out of it. The scripture's talking. And what it says is pretty clear. And what it says is, what side, you know, what, what, what side of the promise do you sit on? Here's God's promising. And God's promises are wonderful, but they're also scary. They're wonderfully scary. Let's just say that. There's the real the real. Romans 2, here's a promise. And by the way, these aren't Old Testament promises. These are now New Testament promises. So they're new promises. This is the new God. Because isn't the God of the Old Testament an angry God and the God of the New Testament a happy God? Well, here's what happy God says, the God of the New Testament, in Romans 2, 6. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Great promise. But to those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Bad promise. They're both good in the sense that God will keep his promises. He'll honor his promises. But it's bad news for some and good news for others. So, see, I'm telling you, without God, all we have is wrath and anger. Without Jesus Christ, all we have is wrath and anger. That is reality. So the people of our world, the people of Paul's world, the people of the world of Israel, were self-seeking kind of people who rejected the truth. And all they had to wait for, as far as the hope of the future, is wrath and anger. But because of Jesus Christ, and in a newness of life, we have the opportunity to seek glory honor, immortality. We have the opportunity to see God, follow God, and have eternal life. Maybe that's a mistake. Maybe whoever wrote Romans, Paul, he, he, maybe he made a mistake. Well, let's see what Jesus said when he spoke to John on the island of Patmos about another promise in Revelation 21. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. You guys have probably heard this read in, at funerals probably millions of times. Problem is they don't really fulfill the whole thing. They just kind of start at that bit and they leave it at that bit. And that's the wonderful thing about promises is promises are great. But the problem is this. There's a great disservice when we don't complete the message. There's a great disservice. At funerals, it feels good to talk about a new heaven and earth. At funerals, it's good to talk about he makes all things new and he wipes away tears. That's good news. But that's not all that Jesus said. There's, there's two sides to this promise. And it requires obedience on the part of people. So again, first heaven, 
first earth passed away because there's a new earth, a new heaven. Oh, that's a beautiful promise. Amen. Okay, verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people. Wow, we can hang out with God. There's no mysteries, no guests, and there's no like having to shout out to God and being feeling like we're all left alone in this crazy, twisted, dark world. We get to hang out with God. This is a wonderful promise. Look, God's dwelling place is among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for they're older or the old, the old order of things has passed away. What a great promise. Let's just dwell on that. Fantastic. Don't read the rest of it, guys. That's just, I don't like that rest of it. So let's just, in fact, can you just delete that from my slides? Because I, I think I put that there on a mistake. No, we can't do that. We have to take the whole picture. If not, we're just ripping ourselves off. And we're rejecting God's word. And we might as well just keep our Bibles at home or put them in the bin and just pat each other on the back and give really good meaningless, empty cotton candy compliments. and Right? But the thing is, we have to keep going. And you, I guarantee you won't, read this at, you won't hear this at any funeral. I can guarantee it right now. They'll stop right there. They won't go on and fulfill and read the rest of the promise. In verse 6, it goes on to say, To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. There's a distinction made here. Are you thirsty? If you're thirsty, the springs of water... Are you victorious? To those who are victorious, they will inherit all of this. This is for you. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. But, oh, why did you put a but there, Jesus? Why did you do that? Did you mess up? But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, and the idolaters, yeah, you know, people who worship other things, put other things before God. That's what he's talking about here. And liars. They'll be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Okay. Awkward. Yeah, I know. It's awkward. But it's, but it's there. I mean, what do I say? I wouldn't do that at a funeral because it's very negative. It's like, oh, by the way, guys, P.S. You know... <laughs> You know, and I know where this person's going, but let's just not go there. You know what I'm saying? But that's a promise, and we have to be real with it. And this is why we need to give the gospel to people. We need to say, you need Jesus Christ. God's doing something. God is real. Stop saying God's dead. Stop saying God's not real. He's real. He's spoken. And this is very serious. Satan wants to blind us. Satan hates humanity. Satan wants to rip us off. And he wants us to not take these things very seriously. He wants us to, at funerals to stop at verse 5. But here we are on Sunday morning, and we're looking at God's promises. And we're going to take it very seriously this morning. And hopefully it changed our lives forever. That's what I hope. I hope this morning this, these verses change our lives forever. So the bottom line is this, back in Acts 13, verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus... The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Okay, in light of what we just shared with each other this morning through looking at the Bible, in light of that, I want you, my friends, to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, 
Everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you are not able to obtain under the laws of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Again, with promises, there's always that two sides. There's the wonderful glory side for those who are obedient, who say, I want Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. But there are those who reject. Even Paul is acknowledging it to these folk in the Sanhedrin here. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. You know, be amazed, but die. Perish means to cause, to vanish away, to destroy, to consume. There's many people who think they're really clever. And they really got the art of scoffing down. You know what I'm saying? They even have a grin on their face as they scoff Jesus and scoff God. But they too will wonder and perish. They may think they're clever now, but according to these promises we're reading, there's going to be a time where they're going to have great and deep regrets for their scoffing. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. That's interesting, because he's getting this. Actually, next slide. That's a prophecy in the Old Testament I want to look at in Habakkuk. Basically, this is a prophecy, a promise, that God's going to wipe out Israel for its disobedience, its rebellion. And he's going to use these evil people called the Babylonians, who like to wipe people out in the most torturous ways, to do it. And this is God's people that he talked about, rescuing from Egypt, giving a promised land. They turned against God. They rebelled against God and were utterly disobedient and vile and wicked. Well, here's what Habakkuk says about them. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. He's talking about Israel, the people of God. They're violent. I cry out to you to come and save. Must I forever see their evil deeds? Why must I watch all his misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. He's talking about God's people. People of Israel. They've walked away from God. And he's crying out, what's going on, God? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. And there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous. So that justice has become perverted. There's... You know what I'm saying? They've literally abandoned God, his ways, his law. And God's response to Habakkuk here is this. Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. Does this look familiar? This is where he gets this from. And I don't think it's just ironic. I think it's profound. Because in their minds, they're going to remember the story. Look and be amazed. For I'm doing something in your day. Something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. He directly quoted this. So in their mind, they're going to remember the story of Habakkuk and how God promised that he's going to judge his people because of their disobedience. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. And he goes on. But we know what happened. They came in and they literally wiped out Israel and took the people into captivity and, and literally you know, ripped them, stole them out of the land that God's promised them. Destroyed the temple. Destroyed worship, destroyed their freedom, their liberties. They thought they had liberty. They thought they had freedom. And what did they do with their liberties? What did they do with their freedom? They were destructive. They were violent. They were arguing and fighting, divisive. They, their law was perverted. 
That's the things they did with the freedom liberty. So God came and said, okay, I'm going to take away your freedom liberties. I'm going to judge you. And of course, then they had deep regret and sadness. Again, this story is going to be in the mind of these people as Paul's preaching this. Next slide. And, and, and I think the, if, you, if you want to diagram it, it would look something like this. This is the problem, and it's very apparent. Paul's past. So he's using some scriptures, right? And what we just read in Habakkuk here. Paul's relating to his past, the history. Israel, as a people, they were corrupt and lost in sin. The people were rebellious, lawless, and evil. But then they refused to listen to God. They refused to listen to the prophets that God had sent them. And then they were judged by the invasion of Babylon. Captivity. So Paul's present, who he's preaching to right here, right now, in, in Antioch, you know, in the synagogue. Paul's audience in the synagogue, they're also corrupt and lost in sin. But they have a choice to relate to that story and to relate to what's God doing there and now. They have a choice to listen to God and obey by receiving his son and the forgiveness of sins. And they will be judged, as we saw in Romans and Revelation. And there's a million other, that was the first two I grabbed. There's, there's the Bible's tons of examples, if you need some. Jesus even did it in way of parables and stories. And, and they're just equally scary. So, so the people here in the, in the synagogue, they'll be judged according to their response to the message, the good news. And then now we have Paul's future, which we can call today. Today, people are corrupt and lost in sin. It's just kind of how humanity goes, okay? It's just kind of how it goes. They're still rebellious, still lawless, and still evil. And the gospel goes out. Some will receive it, but many will still refuse to listen to God and receive forgiveness through his son. And like I said, we've already looked at some scriptures that indicate that judgment will come. So, yeah, that's, that's it diagrammed to make it very clear what we're reading this morning. Can we have the next slide, please? Um, I'm just going to read through these little bits um, just so we can progress, you know, the narrative to the next part. So as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue in 42, verse 42, the people invite them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts of Judaism, so Jews and Gentiles, who were Gentile converts, okay, they followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So people were responding, okay? These people who were genuine, I want to know God. I want to know God. I'm here to know God. This is, I'm glad to hear this. I need to hear this. That's the kind of hearts they had. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. However, Satan's always prone around, he's always using people, and he's always tripping people up. And here we have jealousy. Oh, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if we can have this. I don't want you listening to that Paul guy. I want you listening to me. You know, if you listen to me, you're good. You listen to them and his message, you're no good. They were jealous. They begin to contradict what Paul said. And that's the sad thing is, I think in today, Satan's still doing that. He's contradicting what Paul, what God, what Jesus is saying and doing. 
We see it all over the place. Contradictions are everywhere. It may not be the, the, the Jews here, but I can guarantee you, through our television, through the radio, through even our education sometimes, through our friendships, you know, relationships, you know, dodgy books. I mean, there's a lot of things out there that are contradicting what God's doing. And we have to choose to, to confront these things. To not let them affect us. Because you see, God wants to break to our hearts and our minds with the word of God. And Satan wants us to not hear the word. He wants us to be distracted. He wants us to be numb. He wants us to be affected by contradictions. So the Jews were jealous, and they started to contradict Paul, saying, heaping abuse upon him. Next slide. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the words of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Again, here, we've already seen the progression of how the church was started with the Jews, and now they're going to go out to the Gentiles, i.e., the word spreading out through the world. And here he's saying, I, we understand you guys are rejecting it. You're not the first group <laughs> that reject it. We've, we've had this before, but that's okay because we're, we're going on to people who are ready to hear the word. And it happens to be these Gentiles who God died for as well. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, look at their response, guys. This is the only right response. If you feel scared about this message, then stop being scared. That's just your pride and your ego holding you back. Be like these Gentiles here and be glad and honor the word. Be glad this is good news. Jesus died for you. Judgment is inevitable without Christ. Christ has come to save you. You put your trust and faith in him. You're saved. Be glad. It's not called bad news. It's called good news. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. That's it. Next slide. So God's doing something. And his will will be done. We've talked about that many times through, this, through our, our studies. Jesus is most certainly the Son of God, sent to give life to people of the world. In the past, God's people have stopped listening to them. In Paul's time, people still refuse to listen to him. But today, we have a choice. Are we going to listen or no? And I think this is not just for people who, are, who don't know God and are just coming to know him. This is also for us who've been walking with God for a while because we know what it's like to get a little bit cold, a little bit stale, you know, to have to, you know, and when we get depressed, we feel guilty, we, life just sucks. But we know how to remedy that. We need to choose to obey God daily, even as believers, to get our, our eyes right, and that's focused on him. We want to be like the devout, the devout rather, Jews, and the, and the glad Gentiles. We want to identify ourselves with them, devout and glad, honoring the word of the Lord. We don't want to be like the, the, the Jewish, or the jealous Jews who contradicted and gave abuse to the word of God. I think that's all that we need to say today. <coughs> we'll continue. Um, just the last little bit of 13, 1 and 14 next week.
Say 